Clubhouse's press pass. I'm here today talking with Paul, who got to go to Comic Palooza. So excited to hear about all the things you saw, Paul. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Tell us where Comic Palooza was this year and, and about the time of year it was. Comic Palooza is an annual pop culture festival held in Houston, Texas. It used to be the same weekend as Mother's Day, but when the pandemic happened, they canceled it for a couple of years, but then last year, 2021, instead of just canceling it, they decided to move it to later in the year when things started to open up before Omicron became a problem. So sort of in that little gap <laughs> of time when people were still going to conferences. We'll call that the false confidence time. Exactly. So they moved it into July and that's where they kept it this year in mid-July. Now that is a big change because I know that Palooza goers, if you will, um, were kind of mixed on the Mother's Day weekend situation what did you think as a goer that the the change in the date and and was it better or worse well you know it removes the guilt of wanting to do two things at the same time uh you know give mother's day its due but then also go to this other thing that's uh fun for others <laughs> so i think it's a net improvement i wonder though how it impacts the availability of guests and other people, because as I have attended this con over the years, and I think I've been every year for, I don't know, eight or 10 years, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Different aspects of the con have changed. And I don't know if it's a result of the moving in time frame um, impacting guests' availability, whether, you know, it's just comment cards at the end of the con uh, reflecting con attendees changing preferences over time and then con producers trying to address that. I'm not sure, but different aspects of the con have definitely taken different prominence in what they present. Well, one of the things you and I talked about is having run uh, large events ourselves that that vendors and, um, you know, the, the more sought after people are booked out, you know, for, for more than one season. So changing when your convention happens makes a huge difference because it's not just about that change for the goers who want to go check out everything, but people get into a rhythm where it's like every July, I always go to this particular one, you know, and you get into those habits where it's like changing your contact suddenly go from May to July is a huge deal, right? I mean, because you have those people who already have commitments and now you're asking them to somehow adjust things. People don't do great with that. Yeah, there are people that, that prioritize attending, even even if they're not local to it, some of the bigger cons around the country. You know, your Comic-Cons in San Diego, your Wonder-Cons, your NY Comic-Cons, your Dragon-Con in Atlanta. Those are probably like the big ones that people travel the country for. And where Houston lies on that spectrum, I can't rightly say. I've been to some of those and you've been to others as well as Comic Palooza. And so I don't know if they're if they're shooting for that level, you know, where, where people come to their con to to deliver some sort of new and late breaking information about their their work, their projects, that sort of thing. If they want to get to that level, I don't know. Okay. So give us some ideas of like sights and sounds, things that are going on at a Comic Palooza in Houston in the summertime. 
they try to address everything they can inside George R. Brown Convention Center downtown Houston. However, that doesn't prevent there from being a pretty long line outside the building um, if you want to be there right when they open the doors. So they process people through only a couple of entrances in terms of getting badges and that kind of thing. There are opportunities to pick up badges before the con, but you have to really be paying attention and be available to go to those couple of locations prior to the con. Otherwise, you got to come in, get your badge, and then you can go into the con. And that line, unfortunately, is outside in July in Houston, which you better be ready for. <laughs> so we'll talk to us a little bit about that because we talked about San Diego, right? We talked yeah. about the things that you want to pack or not pack. Tell me a little bit about how people should dress. What should they expect in terms of, you know, being hydrated and that type of thing when you're waiting outside lines? All the things you'd expect. This summer's been super hot. Where San Diego is still hot, but not 110 degrees outside hot, if you've come in an elaborate cosplay and you haven't gotten your badge ahead of time, you will want to take steps. Maybe you'll want to not apply your makeup until you get in there. Maybe you're better off staying at the hotel attached to the convention center so that you don't have to do the exact same thing as everybody else. You can use the Skyway to come over instead of going outside. And that's a huge one. I know that's something that you've done with um, with the kids that definitely makes them happy because they don't have to get up and fight for parking and worry about all that kind of stuff. You guys just got to get up, walk across the Sky Bridge, all in air conditioning, all inside. You don't have to worry about rain, don't have to worry about sun, nothing, and just walk right over and be able to, to get in through there. That is right. One year we stayed there because it was raining so torrentially bad that we were worried that they'd close the bridge between us and home. So we prioritized the Comet Convention over the safety of the home and stayed downtown to address that exact need. But still, if you were wanting to make your big cosplay debut, maybe you wanted to try to enter the contest or something like that, having all your full makeup on and stuff like that out in the sun, probably not your best choice. So there are other things you can do. Make sure you're bringing sunscreen and, you know, bring that little umbrella you want to pop up if you're going to be waiting out there. Make sure you bring water. Make sure you bring snacks and stuff like that so that you stay hydrated and you don't feel all woos. We definitely saw that happening in Austin um, at our ATX festival. We saw some people go down waiting in line. So definitely, you know, think about those things. Be comfortable and be smart. You know, those costumes, you want them to look on point. But if no one gets to see them because you are passed out, <laughs> then don't do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that, like for Comic Con in San Diego, they don't care if you bring in food. I would check all of the Comic Palooza website information about knowing things before you arrive to make sure that what you intend on bringing is okay. Like there are lots of food options in the con and they do check bags in front of all of the entries before you get in. So you'll want to make sure that what you're bringing in is on the okay list. There's, if you have cosplay with any, anything that resembles a weapon, there's going to be a weapon check, but that's pretty standard across all major cons. Did they do anything special this year, COVID precaution-wise? Did you have to show COVID cards or wear masks or do anything? I opted to wear a mask the entire time because I had a lot of plans this summer, but there were reminders that COVID is still a thing on signage, but there was no enforcement of any masking policy. 
So with the change of date and with the, um, you know, with COVID still being a concern and the lack of COVID um, protocols, would you say that this was a well-attended event? Yes, I would say that. I've been, like I said, several years and depending on the guests that they have coming, you may find higher or lower attendance. As we'll talk about maybe in the in the guest portion of this podcast, they had some cancellations and they had some, I guess, they were trying to string together casts from different shows to make sort of a larger at- attraction. But then when the cancellations happened, it turned those attractions turned into just a couple of actors from a show. That's not really like a cast reunion. That's just a couple of actors. So, you know, in years past, they've had the entire cast of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, things like that that have been, like, real strong, like, this is happening, or or they've had a big marquee actor, like, say, Patrick Stewart or something like that. And this year, they didn't quite have that strong a thread. So back me up a little bit to the food portion, Paul, because I know you said you can bring some stuff in, which is different. Some cons, you can't bring in anything at all, but this one has more food availability and also you can bring things in. So tell us a little bit about that. Having been able to compare to like, say, Comic-Con where the options are so slim, Comic Palooza offers several different food options inside the con. You know, if you want barbecue or Chick-fil-A or... I think they even had a couple of more healthy type options than that. They have Dippin' Dots. They have diff- just different kinds of little little vendors situated across the back of the ex- exhibition hall and then in a couple other random places throughout the, throughout the convention center. And then they have some food trucks out front. Um, not like a whole fleet of them, but uh, maybe five or six that you can find, you know, those kind of eccentric you know, food trucky <laughs> fusion options that are, that you usually find with food trucks. So you'll be able to find something to eat here and it will be kind of show pricing. So, you know, don't come looking for some kind of like $5 meal, but you know, you'll, as long as you have your expectations set correctly, you'll be able to find something. One of your favorite parts of these types of cons I know is to go around and check out what the different vendors have on the exhibition floor. There's always some cool collectibles. You guys always come home with tons of comic books and just really neat different, like I think there's been t-shirts and shorts and all types of things you guys have brought home. Tell me a little bit about what it looked like this year. There were a lot of familiar vendors. So you see a lot of, of content creators, you know, uh, small, either one person or small team type comic creators trying to get their, their book off the ground. You see Houston's largest costuming company had a large booth where they were running little demos of how to do, say, airbrush painting or different kind of costuming effects with makeup and glue and wigs and all that kind of stuff. Plus they had items to sell and all that, but they had a very large booth right in the front of the exhibition floor so that people could make that their first stop if they wanted to. They, let's see, another large presence that I noticed at both Comic Palooza and Comic Con was NASA. That's super fun. I feel like that's one of those places, like kind of like the library that's there. That was always a surprise to me, but also like a really cool opportunity to get to kids and get a chance to have people be able to ask questions. And I mean, I say kids, but really who doesn't like space, Paul? Well, and this is the audience for it, right? 
if there's a chance that you like Star Wars, then there's there's some glimmer of hope that you might actually like Star Facts <laughs> too. And so I think they're trying to reach that level and keep NASA in the public awareness. Um, you know, they're not launching shuttles anymore, so that, but they still need people to support the idea that they exist and, and do important things. So they've got to get out there. And so their presence at, say, Comic-Con in, in, in San Diego wasn't as large as Houston, but of course, they're from Houston. So that's easier for them to have a larger presence here. I think it's a terrific idea. And you're right. I mean, it obviously blends that little mix of fantasy and reality that I think a lot of people who go to cons really enjoy. And it's not unusual to have them have actual astronauts there talking with people or even having breakout sessions to talk about actual space and science and facts and that kind of stuff. So um, they've been there steadily over the years and they bring different things, little vehicles or not even little. I mean, they're moon rover (laughs) mock-ups. So they're, they're quite large, you know, bigger than say like a Winnebago to show off. One of the things that's sort of new over the last couple of years, and this is reflective of, I think, the changing or the evolution of the con, is that they let people bring their custom cars. I noticed at Anime Matsuri last year, that was a large part of their show. And so there was some crossover with those people here, except they weren't restricted to just say anime type wraps and things around their vehicles. These were also, you know, Superman or My Little Pony or, you know, whatever the fandom of the owner was. Then they reflected that in their cars. Not just wraps. It's it's often, you know, new interiors, new uh, or a custom, all kinds of things attached to the car or just very customized rides beyond just a little bit of artwork on the outside of the car. They might have had 20 or 30 cars, which in the past would have been like 10 or five or something like that. And I think that's become a, a larger part of the Comic Palooza show now. That's cool. I mean, I feel like we saw a lot of pretty amazing art actually done on the cars from your anime Matsuri one that was like, wow, I can't believe that people do such amazing things, but rad that they're like bringing it to Houston. I have a video that I shot that uh, maybe I'll put online. It's it that does wind up with someone's uh, a My Little Pony car being like the, the big one, uh, <laughs> which we have a My Little Pony fan in the house. So you wouldn't figure that would be someone's uh, car topic, but it was. Hey, there's something for everyone there. That's the amazing thing. The Battletech group was back. They always bring their pods so that people can beat up each other in giant simulated robots. Um, There's always vendors selling their, you know, nerdy comic book oriented wares. And then the large autograph area for the guest celebrities in attendance. One of the coolest things that I saw that wasn't on the exhibition floor was there was a small demo set up upstairs with a company demoing a a virtual reality game called Walk Around Mini Golf. What they were demoing was a, at the time, unreleased DLC, which is uh, downloadable content. It's That's content that you can buy after you own the game. It's like a way to keep your game fresh, right? So you can add new content to the game. And this was, uh, they were building a Jim Henson's Labyrinth uh, mini golf course within their game and then and they were demoing it for people for for free you just walk by and ask if you could you could do it 
I am in the middle of creating a video where I interviewed their developer about that. And uh, there will be um, footage from inside the game included. I played through the entire level. It was charming and fun. If you remember maybe playing, say, like Wii Golf, you might think, well, that wasn't that fun. Um, this has a better feeling than that uh, in terms of like kind of the feedback you get and using the virtual club. And once you get used to it after one or two swipes with it, it's very intuitive and um, not as hard as you might think to play, <laughs> to play virtual golf. And it's got all it's got a bunch of the puppet characters and stuff. They they collaborated with the Henson Company and they got to uh, scan in and remodel several of the puppet characters and recreate a lot of the sets and things like the uh you remember in labyrinth the tunnel that she takes that's entirely made out of hands that turn into faces yes yeah, super creepy yeah so that's that's one of the holes you have to play through that hole uh, and so there's hands doing things all around you <laughs> yeah. that's awesome but it's a lot of game for very little money um like the the master game is only 15 dollars, and then the dlcs are only like three dollars a piece so once you feel like you've mastered one level you can go in and for three bucks more you can get another bunch of holes rounding out uh, some of the other activities I found there, but didn't really have time to take part in, or maybe I aged out of, um, in one case, is the um, they do have a, a large area set aside for people interested in playing tabletop games. There are always people from either the D&D community or from the Pathfinder community, sort of D&D's biggest competition in the same fantasy gaming space that are demoing both systems and willing to to uh, set up games and, and run them for new people or experienced people. And then there's also other coordinated uh, board games and just table space to borrow a board game from, I forget the company that's there, but there's somebody there that lends out the board games for this for this purpose and, and then play them. So they have like a kind of a, a large stock of board games that they've brought along with them. And you just take one of the tables in the large area and you can play. I will say that the tabletop gaming aspect of Comic Palooza, it does give people who may not, especially lately, have gotten a chance to play in person. They actually get a chance to do that in person. But it's not one of the the big marquee, like, come to Comic Palooza and play tabletop games. That's not, there's not like a big competition. It's more like exposing you to things and giving you a chance to play with people that you may not get a chance to play with ever, except for Comic Palooza. Well, especially during like COVID times, you know, we've all been kind of relegated to doing stuff online or at home or whatever. So, I mean, fun that you get an opportunity to actually interact in person. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest draw about it for people interested in, in tabletop gaming, whether it's role-playing games like D&D or, you know, complicated board games. And then in addition to that, they do run a pretty robust program of kids' activities, both in the exhibition floor 
where they have an area set aside for, you know, coloring and crafts and that kind of stuff. But then they also have like the kids costume contest or panels run just for parents that have brought smaller children with them. That would be just, you know, things that they'd be interested in, whether it's cosplay for kids or cartoon topics that that appeal mostly to younger children. Okay, Paul. So I know big draws for Pod Clubhouse is always going to be the different TV shows and movies and panelists that come to talk about what's coming out or maybe give us some updates on their seasons that are about to drop. So tell me a little bit about what you saw there. I was able to put most of my time in on Saturday and the big guests that I saw on Saturday were Kyle McLaughlin and Karen Fukuhara and Lance Reddick. Other guests that attended this year included like Alice Cooper and Terry Crews and Chris Eccleston, as well as Jackie Earl Haley, and then cast members from both Magicians and Stargate. Those are somewhat kind of niche shows, but they, they did attract a few actors from both casts. I actually did find Chris Eccleston wandering the, the show floor in the wild. He was needing to buy some gifts, and so he was looking at various vendors. And uh, I could tell that the one vendor he stopped at had no idea who he was. <laughs> it's so hard when people are, like, out of context, you know? Like, it's yeah. one thing when you see them up on a panel, up on a stage, you know, that type of thing. But then when you just see them walking around with everyone else, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. But that that's, in particular, very, very funny which I know you got some pictures of. Yeah, I did sneak a little vid of him interacting with this person that had no idea he was dealing with the ninth Doctor Who. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I got to see Kyle McLaughlin. He, I have some, some pictures of him. He seemed like a very charming guy in person. He was ready and willing to talk about all his experiences with uh, some of his most well-known work, like with David Lynch on this wasn't really a blue velvet crowd but it came up <laughs> and uh twin peaks and dune he did mention that there's no chance that you will see him in the current iteration of dune's second volume okay good to know he played the lead in the original dune movie and so there's kind of like this will he, won't he sort of aspect amongst fans of the original movie. But the new movies are so utterly drop dead serious that just some cameo from one of the original cast members would be so utterly distracting. No one would really appreciate it. This isn't like a superhero showing up in another superhero. This, this, that, that wouldn't. No. <laughs> Too serious. Yeah, it just, no, no. But yeah, I mean, he uh, he talked about even Desperate Housewives and just, just that he's, he's been around a long time, so he's been on a lot of different different shows. He talked a lot about the Twin Peaks revival that happened a couple of years ago. Working with David Lynch was something that people wanted to know about. Well, and for us, there you you picked up a little bit of information for our Westworld lovers and, and people who are following, you know, the different this season. Yeah, he is working on the TV adaptation 
of Fallout, which is a video game series that's been around for a long time. It's a post-apocalyptic setting, role-playing game. He has a role in it, that, and it is being developed by one of the Westworld co-creators, Jonah Nolan. It made me wonder when he said that, whether Jonah has, whether there's been enough Jonah to go around <laughs> for, for all the projects that he's attached to. And we say that because we, we you know, took some different notice of, of a, a little bit of a change of seeming voice, right, of the, of the writers in this season of Westworld. And, and we were we had a lot of questions about, you know, hmm, this seems a little bit different. What, what are we missing? So when you came back with that information, it was like, ah, oh. yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think we might not have Jonah in the room so often. And whether, you know, whether or not it's good or, or not, you know, for him to be in the room, it definitely just sounded different, you know, in the way the dialogue was coming out. I mean, he couldn't elaborate on that. Um, and this isn't the sort of con where celebrities are made available to the press for questions afterwards. So if you catch them during the panel, that's great. But if you don't, that's it. Also, I got to see Karen Fukuhara, who is better known as Kimiko from The Boys. Oh, I know you guys have been loving The Boys this past season. She was supposed to appear with Anthony Starr who plays Homelander, but at the kind of the last second, Anthony dropped out, he canceled. And so the panel was just left to her. And in a way, I think that's just fine. Not that I didn't want to see Anthony Starr or Homelander or see them together. It's just more like, I think the crowd wanted to hear what she had to say and they got an hour of her saying it. I think the crowd was fine with that. Had he been here, I think she would have still deserved her own panel, is what I'm trying to say. She's really mostly well-known from The Boys. She also played Katana in Suicide Squad. Uh, she wasn't in the second one. In both roles, she doesn't really do a lot of talking. In, in fact, in The Boys, she doesn't do any talking. That's part of her, her deal. And so she, she got a lot of questions about portraying someone that uses sign language and where does the sign language come from and is it hard to learn the sign sign language and all that. She admitted that she didn't come into the role knowing any sign language and that, as you know, as the parent of a deaf child, that there's such a thing as like home signs that, that, a, Absolutely. That, that a child may learn that aren't actual sign language. Well, that is what fuels a lot of her character's sign language. So given the way that she was raised, she never really got like formalized schooling. So all of her language is partly based in actual sign, but then partly based in just a made up language just for this character. So she has to learn everything fresh for her character that that's awesome sense. and uh, yeah it's like a mixture of gestures and sort of like you know common sense kind of signs and then yes. things that just are meaningful to your own family and where you grew up and stuff like that so that's very fascinating to learn that and you know so cool for character building that like she would not have learned formalized sign but it's made the actress more interested and more uh, receptive and more mm, sympathetic, I guess, to the hard of hearing c community. And she's she's not hard of hearing; she's nonverbal. But I but in a lot of ways that those two communities get lumped together when it comes to communication modes and styles. 
and so uh, she uh, has spent a lot of time not not necessarily getting better at, at ASL or American Sign Language or something like that, but just learning more about that community so that her character feels like it fits in with that community better. It's heartwarming as a mom of someone who uses a different communication style um, to, you know, have representation and and have actors that actually care, you know, to have a deeper understanding other than just showing up on set and being like, oh, OK, I do this with my hands. Got it. You know, that's great. That's that that really does endear her to me as a character and makes me want to watch her shows. Well, and she's she also brought up Asian representation, which, you know, as a young actress, she is admitted to mostly needing to find work <laughs> as her primary motivator for taking this role or that role. But now that she has a little bit of notoriety, she does, she, she says that she recognizes the extra weight put on her by other members of her, her community, her Asian community as, as being, um, a face on TV that that doesn't get shown as often as others. So she's coming into that, wanting to do a good job for that element of it. And uh, but she was she's readily admitted like she's kind of at the beginning of that journey, rather than having like a, a good like sense of of the full weight of it. I, I mean, it's, it's a it's a huge responsibility. You know, I would think you don't want to do anything that, um, you know, in any way ostracizes any part of any community that you feel like you're a part of. Um, but it, man, it, that, it's a lot to carry because, you know, there there are a lot of varieties of people within whatever community you're representing. So it's very hard to do it, quote unquote, right. <laughs> That's fair. Make everyone happy, right? All the time. After her panel, I got to go see um, an actor named Lance Reddick. Um, his name may not be recognizable exactly, but you have seen him in something. He runs the Intercontinental Hotel in the John Wick series. He was in Fringe. He was in Lost. He most recently was in the the Resident Evil series uh, put out by Netflix. He's got a very recognizable voice when you hear it. He came to talk about what he's been up to. One thing that, that stood out about what he had to say was this moment when someone asked about uh, a show that he was on that he enjoyed the people but would never go back to the show and didn't want to elaborate on it. And it was very firm. And he's got this kind of this kind of voice that when he says, no, I'm not talking about that. No one says, oh, come on. <laughs> Everyone uh, <laughs> looks to the step back like, side to side. You're like, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Hey, I applaud the boundaries. Good on good on that person. I mean, you know, come on. Oh, for sure. Unfortunately, after Lance, I didn't have um, any other slots available to go see any of the other panels. I did tour the autograph area a little bit. So I did get to see Alice Cooper in profile and I did get to see Sergeant Slaughter. Oh my goodness. Those are some blasts from the past. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, from afar, he still looks the same with his aviators and uh, mustache <laughs> and, and uh, frown. Sergeant hat. Yeah. <laughs> Sergeant hat. Exactly. <laughs> That's the main thing. It's like between the sunglasses, the hat, and the mustache, you really don't need a, a tank top maybe. No, he was he was not wearing any any of the wrestling garb besides that. But uh, yeah, they usually have some number of wrestlers in attendance. This year was a little lean 
on wrestlers, but yeah, they had Sergeant Slaughter and then they had uh, Adam Page from the AEW. Uh, this wrestling. is kind of a weird year, right? With the kind of some scandal business going on over in the wrestling world. You know, that is an area that I am happily ignorant of all of the goings on. Well, I but... know there's a little bit of scandal stuff going on over there, so I we don't have to uh, go into it, but I could see maybe where the presence would be kind of a little tamped down. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we've talked about the evolution of the con. Like, this year, there were probably more anime voice actors than usual. They had six, and they were all My Hero Academia actors, so they probably had a panel on that. But they had a kind of a lower number of actual noted industry comic creators, in years past, I'd seen like the creator of The Crow. I'd seen Chris Claremont, who's credited as is not the creator of the X-Men, but sort of the reinvigorator of the X-Men and the author of the X-Men's most notable plot lines. He's been there a couple of times or Jim Lee's come like he's the big, big wheel over at DC Comics. I, I don't want to say like any that the people that came weren't uh, noteworthy. I'm just saying they weren't there. Them. They weren't Chris Claremont. I'm not sure where to chalk that up to, whether it may be availability. Like I said, the new time frame for Comic Palooza being in the middle of July also puts it the weekend before San Diego Comic-Con, which may limit the availability of those kind of creators in terms of how many cons can they do in a summer. That, and I got to think that this only being, you know, uh, did you say the second year that they made this in July? Yeah. So it's going to take a little time to adjust to those schedules where people are going to have to, you know, get it into their July normal routine and and just expect to be there, you know, for the panelists and for the exhibition hall people. You know, those people are going to have to start putting things to the side and maybe other cons might, you know, move and shuffle and as things go. But, you know, old habits die hard and people go to the same ones over and over and they expect the same ones at the same times a year. They do. So I'm going to say give that a little time to shake out. On the one hand, I like it better in July than I do in May. But you and I, having run a golf tournament before, know that the people that attend it sure liked the May version a lot more than they than they liked the July version. Well, the heat, I mean, especially God this year, I mean, we were up over 100, you know, degrees pretty much every day and sometimes even up over, you know, 105, 110, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's extreme heat. And if you're having to wait in line, that's several hundred people deep just to get in the door. That's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, or parking you know, six I mean, blocks away or whatever. Yeah, and it's, it's, it just zaps your energy and makes you, you know, really, again, just be prepared. You know, make sure, don't show up there, you know, with one little weenie bottle of water and, you know, your heavy outfit on because you're trying to look a certain way or whatever. Like, dress in that sort of athleisure gear that you can be, like, wicking away that sweat and make sure that you're getting plenty of water the days before you start the con so that you're feeling real, I'm going to say, plumped up, like you're veins are all plumped right <laughs> get get good sleep you know make sure that you're well prepared and you know we always recommend to all of our listeners that when you're going to go to cons that you are flexible you know knowing that things are going to change in the schedule people are going to cancel and and have sort of you know your backup plans like okay I, this is my ideal schedule and now if this person or this panel doesn't happen okay i'm going to pivot i'm going to go this way or i'm going to actually schedule in some free time to be able to take a break eat a proper lunch get something to drink 
like get off my feet for a little bit, put my backpack down for a little while. Um, you know, things like that, that can just make a world of difference between attending and enjoying a con. Well put. Well, I think that's all I have for this con, Caroline. Thanks for having me back on the Press Pass podcast. I'm happy to have you, and I'm super glad that you got to go. And thanks again to Comic Palooza for providing a press pass for Pod Clubhouse. We're super enjoying getting a chance to do these live events, whether they're in Texas or California, or we've done Arkansas. I'm sure New York is coming soon. So we've got so much stuff coming for you guys. So make sure you go over and check out all of Pod Clubhouse's offerings. We've got so many different things. And, you know, get some tips and tricks for, from things like lodging, what to wear, what to expect to see, ways to kind of coordinate your schedules, all that kind of stuff, because we want to make sure you have the best time ever. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot. If you like this coverage, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that other people can find it too. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.